Kelele Bara, Rakoto Bengalele Baba, Legoro to Sukele de Brina Kakole de Baya, Engebo Jekele de Babra, Rakoto Sukele de Brina Kakoro to Sekele de Ba, Egebajo Colonna Mohotina Kakaka. Egebo jeke le boroko to sakalana Engebo jeke le nebe Le gede gebozo kolo no brana Engele nemozo kolo no bobro Rakoto bile de baba Engebo jeke le nebaha In the name of Jesus Heavenly Father we rejoice that we have this Another opportunity to minister to your precious people Thank you that revelation knowledge tonight flows freely unhindered, uninterrupted by any demonic or satanic force. And we rejoice that we have access into the deep things of God by the Holy Ghost. So I pray that as your word goes forth, the eyes of your people's understanding be flooded with light. And we decree that your people are built up, equipped, edified. And by the end of this service, Jesus is glorified. Nobody lives here the same way they came. We give you praise and glory and honor for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says it powerful. Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together. As we say these words, I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the world. I do the word naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name. And every believer says a powerful amen. We want to welcome everybody connected to this service by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all of the social media community. Brothers and sisters, we are so glad to welcome every one of you to this great service tonight. All of the Aquaibom State community connected right now by way of Comfort FM, XL FM Radio, Aquaibom, Heritage FM, Inspiration FM. We're so glad to welcome all of you to the service. Do me a favor tonight, call a friend, a family, you know, a loved one, ask them to tune to this radio station right now. Life is flowing through the airwaves. Our social media community, like you've always done, let's lighten the dark places of the earth. Let's spread the fragrance of Jesus' grace all over the world. Have you shared a video on your page? Join as many groups as possible. Share the video with all those groups. And of course, put them on monogram, telegram. Drop them on WhatsApp group. Let's get the truth of the gospel into every man's world. What a joy to have all of you here again today. All our Bible study centers, campuses, house centers. We want to welcome every one of you to the service, guys. Get ready. It's going to be an exciting adventure in the word of his grace. Grab your pen, your notebook, and your Bible. You can be seated with your sweet, smart self as we get into the word of God. Mm -mm -mm. Praise God. All right, we're still examining wisdom for living. Wisdom for living. We've been looking at the relationships of the new creation. And we've been looking at relationships. The relationships of the new creation in Christ. What kind of relationships can we keep? What kind can we not keep as believers in Christ Jesus? Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17. Second Corinthians 5 16 and verse 17. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Next verse. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. You are a new creation in Christ. That means you are born again. That means you have received the gospel. That means you have believed the gospel. You are a new creation in Christ. You were sometimes darkness, but now you are a new creation in the Lord. Look at 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Behold, what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Next verse. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now are we the sons of God. Can somebody say that with me now? Are we the sons of God? So based on that identity, we have relationships that we can keep and relationships that we cannot keep. And we have relationships that we are, have responsibilities towards and instructions from the word of God about those relationships. For example, we began to look at friendships and we examined Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship had righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion had light and darkness? So he now says that the believer is light. The unbeliever is darkness. That is someone who is not a Christian cannot have a close relationship with a believer in Christ Jesus. Why? Because light and darkness never fellowships together. You are righteousness, the unbeliever is unrighteousness. You are the temple of God, that person is the temple of idols. You are Christ, the unbeliever is Belial. You are the believing one, the unbeliever is an infidel. So, you cannot keep relationship with someone who is not born again. James chapter 4 verse 4 James chapter 4 verse number 4 says you adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God so you cannot be friends with the world what do you mean the world the world refers to those who are not born again in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 to 3, he says those people that are not born again, they are walking under the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now walketh in the children of disobedience among those whom we had our conversation in time past. So, if you are someone that is not born again, you belong to this world. If you are born again, you are not of this world. First John chapter 5 verse 4 Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. First John chapter 2 verse 15 it says, it says uh, 
all that is in the world is the loss of the flesh the pride of life those are the things that are in the world so love not the world neither the things that are in the world romans chapter 12 verse 2 says be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of god so when you talk about this world you are referring to the people who are not born again you are referring to the people who are not saved second corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 and 4 second corinthians chapter 4 verse 3 and 4 but if our gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost in whom the god of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of christ who is the image of god shall shine unto them the god of this world has blinded the mind of them that believe not so if someone is not born again he belongs to this world and if you keep friendship with him you are an enemy of god so we have to know that we cannot be found in close alliances with unbelievers you cannot marry a non-christian if you are a child of god first corinthians chapter 7 verse 39 he said but let him marry only in the lord let let him or her marry only in the lord i showed you from the old testament how that the children of israel did not marry from other tribes because it was a foreshadowing of the new creation you cannot marry outside the church. You cannot marry outside the body of Christ. Because you will be involved in strange alliances. Unbelievers are called the children of the devil. John 8 44. Unbelievers are called the children of the devil. He says you have your father the devil and the loss of your father you will do. Alright? Those are unbelievers. So you cannot be married to them also you cannot keep friendship with an unbeliever then we began to look at marriage we also said your new family now are born again believers ephesians chapter 2 verse 18 and 19 ephesians for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the father next verse now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of faith so we have a new family galatians 6 10 says especially day of the household of faith ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 and 15 says i bow my knees unto the father of our lord jesus christ of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that family is superior to any kind of relationship that you have in that family people that are born again are called your brethren your brothers and sisters in the lord and i even showed you in the book of acts when ananias went to preach to saul he had called him a wicked man before but when jesus told him that he was his chosen vessel as he saw saul he said brother saul brother saul all right brother Saul so brother is not a title brother is a relationship anybody who is called a brother 
is because he is your brother in Christ. We have one father, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are members of one another. That's fundamental. We are members of one another. We began to look at marriage as a relationship between two Christians. We said that marriage is between two people, husband and wife. The husband is the head, the wife is the body. Head means authority. The one who is ruler or the one who is in charge. Body means the one who is subject to the one who is in charge. Also, head means the one who takes charge of. Body means the one who is cared for. So, in marriage, the head is the husband. The one who is subject to the husband is the wife. The one who takes care of the marriage is the man. And the one who is taking care of is the woman. Look at Colossians chapter 3 verse 18. Mm -mm. Colossians 3.18 Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Your own husbands. 19. <clears throat> husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Then we read Ephesians 5.22 to 32 and we looked at it as in regards to husband and wife. The husband must be the one to care, to love, to have affection. To ensure that the wife is beautiful and good looking. It's your responsibility to make sure your wife looks good as a husband. When the husband is looking good and the wife is looking shabby, he is a bad husband. The wife must be well taken care of. You can't be in a car and your wife doesn't have a car. That's wrong. You can't be wearing new clothes and your wife struggling to patch the old one. You are a bad husband. Let me repeat. You are a bad husband. A good husband takes care of his wife. Like Christ takes care of the church. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the culture of this world. And we think that the wife must contribute to the, to the way, you know, to, to the family welfare. But that's wrong. The wife can work and support the house. But that's a privilege. The husband must be responsible for the wife's upkeep. The husband must be solely responsible for, the take, for taking care of his wife. That's the duty the Bible prescribes. I don't care what you hear in the world. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to born again husbands. I'm not talking to every husband. I'm talking to husbands in Christ. I'm talking to husbands who are believers. Who have accepted Christ. And as citizens of heaven, you get, you know, busy and take care of your wife. It's your responsibility in the scriptures. You must take care of your wife. You must nurture your wife. If you are dating a man and you discover he's very offensive and vengeful. He doesn't forgive friends. He's not good enough. Because as you look at that man, that's already a picture of your future. If the man you are dating or going out with is such a man that don't forget things, he doesn't forgive, you will soon be the beneficiary of that behavior. Because it is his role to take care of you. It is the role of the husband 
to love and protect the wife. That is his responsibility in the scriptures. The Christian home is built in the world. In the world. The Christian home is not built on culture. It's built in the word of God. So the husband must love the wife, must care for the wife, must be responsible for the wife. Then we began to look at the children and we said, Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents. Natural parents. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2. Mm -mm. Ephesians 6, 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Next verse. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. We explained the meaning of first commandment with a promise yesterday. And then we said, for us believers, the blessing doesn't come with our obedience. We are already blessed to obey. So because we are blessed, we just honor. Look at Colossians 3.20. Colossians chapter 3 verse number 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. For this is well pleasing unto the Lord. Observe. We live in a system that people want to know what's in it for me. What's in it for me? If I do it, what is my benefit? If I do this, what will be my benefit? If I do this, what will God do for me? It's an evil mindset. It's an unscriptural mindset. I have also had people say, do not be engaged in premarital sex. If you do, your home will be destroyed. That's not true. That is not true. But you should not be engaged in premarital sex because it is a sin. Not because your home will be destroyed and your life will be shattered. No, there's no such thing. You're only not going to engage in premarital sex because it is a sin. That's the reason why you should not do it. Why? It's a sin against God and you want to live a life that pleases God. You see, we always have the mindset of What's my benefit? I will not, so that I will not get into trouble. We are not Christ conscious. We are profit conscious. That's not right. It's not about honoring God anymore for some people. It's about saving our lives. That's why in some churches, people don't give. Because you have to lie to them, deceive them, intimidate them and cajole them to give. Because that's the way they were brought up. But here in power city we don't tell you lies we don't manipulate you we don't ask you to give so that god will give you because it is not true god is not going to give you because you gave him that's a lie my god shall supply all your needs according to what his riches in glory how by christ jesus not because you gave by christ jesus not because you gave according to his riches in glory which means it is free so we don't teach give so that god will bless you we don't do that here we teach give because you love god and as a responsible child of god 
to advance your father's purpose on the earth that is why we give we don't teach if you don't you know if you don't take care of your wife or if you take care of your wife god will bless you no we don't teach that you take care of your wife to honor jesus you are not doing it because there is one small benefit somewhere there's even a teaching out there you know that there's this favor that comes with marriage a special grace is upon your life when you get married that's false that's false that's false marriage is honorable in hebrews 13 verse 4 he that finds a wife obtains favor from the lord but please make sure you find a good wife it's important that's the old testament it is the old testament that attaches blessing to actions in the new testament we are blessed before we act are we clear now your marriage must honor god god has already blessed me i'm not looking i'm not doing it to be blessed i'm doing it because i'm blessed we don't teach if you serve god he will protect you that's the law of moses grace is the word of god to us it means god has blessed you without your effort that's the new testament acts 20 20 32 i commend you to god and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those that are sanctified so question why should i obey my parents because it's an honor to god why should i love my wife because i want to honor god why should i submit to my husband because i am honoring god that's what it is as unto the lord that means in my mind what's in my view is jesus when i love my wife is because i'm seeing that that love is my honor for jesus when i give an offering it will not multiply because the offering box is not a casino box neither is it a lottery but i will give an offering because it blesses other people it does not bless me my giving does not bless me my giving blesses other people that's the christian life my offering does not bless me my offering blesses other people i don't give because i have a need i give to meet needs so whatever i do i do as unto the lord so in our relationships what is paramount is not what we get out of it it is the fact that the glory of our relationship goes to god that's very important it's not what i get out of it it's what god gets out of it that matters so today let's examine parents ephesians chapter 6 and colossians 3 now he has given responsibility to children to obey parents. We have explained that yesterday. Ch children, obey your parents in everything. Colossians 3.21 and Ephesians 6 verse 4. You know, I observe that all the instructions in the epistles for parenting focuses on fathers. Fathers. So, daddy, it's in your hands to train your children in the lord ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 let's get into it ephesians chapter 6 verse number 4 and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath 
but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Give me the AMPC, Amplified. <clears throat> the Amplified. Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel and admonition of the Lord. So the father is a trainer. The father is a trainer. Colossians 3.21 Colossians 3.21 Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Amplified version. Colossians 3.21 Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them. Lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated. Do not break their spirit. Do not break their spirit. So there is something called fathering children. It's not the same with impregnating your wife. To have children. Is wanting to impregnate your wife to have children. Where you are biologically their father for impregnating your wife. But it's another thing for the father to be a trainer. A coach. A father is the one that brings up the child. So the born again man has a spiritual duty. To bring up his children. He has a spiritual responsibility to bring up his children. How does he do it? He says, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He is not to rebuke, I mean to reproduce his own parental upbringing in his family. You didn't hear that. He is not to reproduce his own parental upbringing in his family. He must not raise his children the way his father raised him up. He is now a new creation. He is to reproduce the heavenly father's affection and training in his home. He must not be found trying to do what his earthly father did to him, to his own children. Except his father trained him and brought him up in the admonition of the Lord. So, there is a Christian father. And this instruction was given to believers. That is, there is a Christian daddy. He must be found saying some things. His earthly father never said to him. Which agrees with scripture. And he must not be found saying what his father said to him. To his own children that contradict scriptures. There are things you must not do to your children because you model your father God. A father models his heavenly father to his earthly children. I have been learning that too as a father. You know, I'm putting things to practice. As a father myself, I learn to treat my children the way my heavenly father treats me. Don't say things to your children to create fear in them. Say things like, God is with you, my daughter. God is with you, my son. 
The angels are taking charge over you. The angels are protecting you. When you go out and when you come in, nothing bad will happen to you. Nothing. Don't be afraid. My child, God is with you. You are blessed. You are kept. You are bold. You have what it takes to succeed. You will make it very well in life. You are very sharp. You are intelligent. You are bright. You are brilliant. Speak such words to your child. Not things like, I pity you. If you continue like this, you will serve your mates. No, parents, you don't say that to your children. When you speak to your children like that, you dishonor God. Because he has given you a duty to bring up those children in Christ. I have seen parents who teach grace on the pulpit and at home they are lawgivers. They preach grace on the pulpit, but at home, they are lawgivers. In their house, they have more than ten commandments. You must not. You must not. You must not. Because that is how they grew up. But you see, that's not Christian parenting. Look at Proverbs 22 verse 6. Proverbs chapter 22 verse number 6. <clears throat> Pay attention. Train up a child in the way... He should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I have seen parents observe this. And because they do not understand this scripture, they say, train up a child. Even unbelieving parents quote it. <laughs> they are not born again and they are quoting, train up a child in the way he should go. <laughs> what, what a joke. What a joke. A study of this scripture is a bit different. When he says train up a child in the way he should go, it's an old grammar. It actually means the way he should speak. Train up a child in the way he should speak. It was referring to giving your children the word of God to meditate upon. Giving your children the word of God to meditate upon. That is the meaning of train up a child in the way he should go. Actually, the Hebrew is train up a child in the way of the mouth. That's the way it is in the original. Train up a child in the way of the mouth. Now, so it's by speaking. So they are taught to think about what they are saying. Then it comes out in their words. Because what you put into a child and the child begins to think about, he begins to bring out. So the training has to do with speaking and meditation. That's why I say when they are old, they will not depart from it. What you taught them to speak, what you taught them to think about. That is, give your children things to think on. So they can grow with it. Words. W-O-R-D-S. Because that's the way the Jews train their children. Look at Deuteronomy 11.18. You will see it again re reinforced. Deuteronomy 11.18. Therefore, Shall you lay up this my words in your heart and in your soul? 
and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall lay up these words in your heart and in your mouth. The same thing Proverbs was saying in Proverbs 22 verse 6. Then look at that Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 19 to 21. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates. 21. That your days may be multiplied, and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. Praise God. So this is what he means by train up a child in the way he should go. Put the word in his heart and in his mouth. Put the word in his heart and in his mouth. Then when he grows up, he will not depart from it. So as people of God, we have a duty to train our children by the word of God. Not by asking them to have memory verses. But by teaching them the word. And bringing them to having the word in their minds. Put the word by teaching to a point where that's what they think about. Where they hear you teach and they are, they are provoked to ask you questions. Intelligent questions. Sound questions. Biblical questions. Are you following? Where they can ask you questions and they trust you to give them sound answers that agree with scripture. Not that your children are asking you questions and you are busy telling them, wait, wait, wait. They will go and ask the wrong person and get the wrong answers. A father is a trainer and every opportunity, a father must use it for training. A father must use it for training. I remember when Jael was coming up younger. And then she was going to school in the U.S. And I went to visit and spend some days with her in her school. And one of the days we watched a movie about, you know, a movie about these superpowers. You know, these student movies. So when we finished watching the movie, we were driving to the airport. They were seeing me off to fly back. And then she said to me, Daddy, why don't we have superpowers so we can fly appear disappear like the one we watched i said oh baby that one is just acting we have the real superpowers the original superpowers we carry that is on our inside when you got born again when you received christ all of god's power came on your inside we don't have to fly disappear and reappear we take charge we are not here to be disappearing and reappearing. We are on earth to take charge, to rule the world. Then I broke it down and I began to show her instances of where we have used authority in the house to speak over things and they happened. And I told her that is superpowers. So every opportunity, you take that opportunity and teach your children. You teach them the word of God. Let it sink in so that they think about it. They talk about it. They discuss it. When they sit down, that's all they are talking about. They are talking about the scriptures. 
They are talking about God. They are talking about the character of God. They are talking about God's ways. It becomes a part of their growth. So anywhere they go, that becomes their vocabulary. That becomes, that forms what they speak. That forms how they discourse. That's what it means by train up a child. It's not send him to church. Beat him if he doesn't go to church. If he does not read memory verse, kneel him down. Kneel him down. Ask him to lift his hands up. No, you don't teach children. You don't raise them up by being cruel. By painting the picture of a monstrous God. When they grow, they will hate your God. You show them the goodness of God, both by precept and example. We will see an example of that in 2 Timothy 3.15. Put it up for me. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15. <clears throat> and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So now, from a child, so we, the boy Timothy had known the holy scriptures from a child. Why? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Next verse. Greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of their tears that I may be filled with joy. Next verse. When I call to remembrance... The unfair fate that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Next verse. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Now, Timothy's father was not a Christian. So, Timothy's grandmother and mother took it upon themselves to raise him up. That happens today. And we will see as we go on where mothers can step in and raise up their children rather than leave them for fathers who are irresponsible. Where the mom has to now take the duty of parenting. Timothy's father was a Greek, a non-Jew. He wasn't a Christian. So the mother transferred her faith and her conviction to Timothy. You didn't hear that. The mother of Timothy transferred her faith and her conviction to Timothy. So from a child, the boy knew the scriptures. When you transfer your convictions to a child, it goes beyond giving him memory verse. You transfer your conviction. That's how to train. Training is not memory verse. Training is you. By communication, you transfer your convictions. You co transfer your beliefs to your child, which forms the child's convictions. That is why he will not depart from it. It was not just a memory verse. It was your body of truth, your convictions, your persuasions that you transferred to your child. It becomes his lifestyle because he's seen it in your lifestyle how you treat the word how you handle the word how you respond to the word brother paul said to timothy i am convinced the same unfeigned faith 
is in you. A conviction that is not polluted by the world. He said that conviction, that unfeigned faith is in you. So Timothy grew up by that kind of training. As a young child in Acts chapter 16, the whole region knew Timothy. All over the whole region. The young man, you know he was, he had no option. His mother was like that. His grandmother was like that. They don't miss church services. Timothy sees his mother and grandmother praying. He sees them studying the scriptures. Timothy knows that they are believers. He sees his mother and grandmother walking in love. He sees them kind and of help to others. He sees them being accommodating and tolerant of others. So by watching them, hanging around them, learning from them, they mold his life after Christ. That's what we mean by train up a child. It's not just drive him to church and flog him and ask him, what memory verse did you get today? No, no, I kneel down. Lift up your hands. I will never. Yeah? Steal from my mother's spot. Tell lies to daddy. Beat up my younger one. <laughs> huh? I will never fight in my neighborhood. I am in the Lord's army. Which kind of Lord's army is that? Is that how they train the soldier? Kneel the boy down and punish him for nothing. And as the boy is singing, he's getting angry. I am in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. <laughs> I said, no, I don't want army, I want police. <laughs> any, any opportunity to rebel, the boy will buy it over. He said, I am in the lost army. I am in the lost police. Say, shut up. He said, mommy, they are the same. <laughs> He's rebelling. The thing is annoying him. He doesn't want to obey. But that's not the way to train up a child. You don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't push it on them. You make it attractive. You show them by preset and example. Let them admire your life and want to be like you. That's how to transfer your convictions. My daughters, from, from childhood, everyone of them kept telling me, I'll be a pastor, I'll be a pastor, I will preach the gospel. Because they saw me doing that, they liked the way it was working. They liked the way they saw it in me. They liked it. Oh, daddy, I want to be a pastor. One, one of them will tell me, I will preach better than you. I will preach more than you. One of them will take my clothes, take my trousers, take my shirt, take my tie as a little child, put it on, and be preaching to the bed. Why? Because they saw me and admired it and wanted to be like me. In fact, Jael has a picture, I think, on Instagram, a video on Instagram, where she was wearing my clothes. I wasn't even at home when she did all of that. And they filmed it. She was very young then. She wants to be like daddy. She wants to preach. Why? I made ministry admirable. And she, they saw the life. They loved the life. They were attracted to the life. So it's easy for me to transfer conviction. It's easy for me to transfer my faith to them. Why? Because it's by precept and example. Teaching good here. Some parents, their children know that they are not kind. Some parents, their children know that mommy and daddy are not good people. They are not nice. And they grow thinking that is how life is. We have a responsibility to show our kids 
that unfeigned faith that is in Christ. So in training a child, the father must see to it that that child is raised up in conviction. If you're a young man here or listening to me and you're planning to get married, make sure you marry, I'm a young lady, make sure you marry a man that can father children in Christ. A man that can father children in Christ. This is not about money or being able to send your children to the UK for summer. It's good to send them to summer in the UK. But it's beyond that, it's being able to show your children the Lord Jesus. So the father has the responsibility to bring up the children. This has to be an example to the children. So first and foremost, as a father, you have the oracles of God committed to your hand. So you can bring up his own children that he gave to you with the oracles committed. Those children are not yours. You cannot create anyone. So you are learning the word to do the word, to be an example to your children. It's a heavenly responsibility. If you obey the call of God upon your life, you are doing it for your children. If you commit to do ministry, and you are doing the ministry well, it is for your children, because they are watching you and modeling after you. If you preach the gospel, if you do the word, if you stand on the word for your healing, your children are watching you. They are learning. Because you are learning to bring up people for God. It's your responsibility as a father. Very, very important. Very, very crucial. If your wife or husband and you are not praying. That's a bad example. Your children are watching. If you are praying, you are doing it for your children. If he's not doing well in his service in church, your husband or your wife, <laughs> wife, if it's your husband, tell him, darling, whatever your name, you call him, you better do what you need to do for the kingdom of God is important. You wake each other up to your responsibility in the house of God. Why? Because that is the way to bring up your children in the admonition of the Lord. If your husband is not studying his Bible, wake him up, tell him you need to study your Bible. Don't be slack. These children are watching you. They need your devotion. These children need to see you consecrated. These children need to see you dedicated to the things of God. Because your influence will do a lot in their lives. Are we teaching here? Very important. So it's beyond them going to parties. You have a responsibility to train up your children in the word of God. By precept and example. We live in an age where our children today are very intelligent observers. Very intelligent questions. So you have a responsibility to bring them up, answer their questions very properly from the word of God. Show them from the scriptures, explain it to them from the scriptures. Don't force your children to memorize verses. Just show them the way, let them love the word of God. When they love the word, they will memorize it without your supervision. Remember, you will give account of the children God gave to you. You bring up your children in the Lord. When preparing to marry, you must also prepare to father. When you are preparing as a young man to get married, you must at the same time prepare to father. 
my wife and I agreed we will always have time for our children. If, if it is busy, two of us cannot be busy at the same time. One of us must have time for the children while the other is busy. And when we are not busy, both of us, you must be there for them, pray for them, stay with them, study with them, play with them. Don't let them grow with house helps. Don't let them grow with uncles and aunties. Most abuse on children is from aunties and uncles and house helps. And if you allow your house helps raise your children, they will raise them up as house helps. A man cannot give what he doesn't have. You have to be friends with your children. Let them, let them get angry at you sometimes where you have to apologize. I'm sorry. And it's important for parents to say I'm sorry to their children when they have to. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you a strong father. Parenting is first spiritual. So, as you are gathering money for them, first and foremost, teach them how to pray. Teach them how to study the word of God. So you can bring up your children in the knowledge of Christ. Number two, you must care for your children naturally. As a parent, you must care for your children naturally. You must provide for the needs of your children. We have an African culture that teaches something very strange. You know, the African culture is an investment strategy. The African culture is an investment strategy. You keep pumping money to your children's education. So that when they grow up, you expect a big return on investment. So your children, you don't see them as your children. You see them as commodities, as goods. You treat your children as market products. That's ungodly. But it's huge in the African culture. Parents want to live out their lives through their children. The course you could not read, you force your children to read it. To make up for your failure. And you keep lying to them. I was the best in my class. There's no parent that, 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 that have ever told their children, I didn't do well in school. Every parent was the best in their class. Lies. Lies. I told my children the truth. I told them I didn't like mathematics. I used to feel mathematics flat. I didn't know it because my teacher was not kind to me in school. He made me hate mathematics. And I failed it well. So you better not fail it well. Because it's not as difficult as you think. If I had somebody to have shown me how difficult it was, I mean how easy it was, I would have not failed. I tell them the truth. I don't lie to them. I showed them my transcripts. I showed them my school scores. I showed them my exam results. I still have them. I showed them. It's not like I was the best in my class. I was the best in the area where I was the best. And I was the worst in the area where I was the worst. Tell them the truth. Stop lying to them. I was the best in my class. Meanwhile, in your class, you were taking 72 over 73. <laughs> So 
So parents look up to their children as their investment strategy. So they teleguide them on the kind of courses to study. You ask them, why did you, what did you choose in jam? The child says music. You say idiot. 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 The one you are hearing on radio is you enough. Why will you read music? Music. Not in my house. Not in my house. Why? Because the father is looking at lucrative costs where his investment will have returns. The father will say, I'm a, I'm a professor of aeronautic science. I'm looking at your future. How can you go and read? Did you call it art? Drawing? So you'll be drawing people all your life. Not in this house. <laughs> Someone asked me what I wanted my children to study. I said whatever they wanted. The truth of the matter is my children decided which school they wanted to go. Chose their courses. I didn't even know. Fill all their forms. I just made sure they were doing it right. They made up their minds what they wanted. And I asked them, I'm sure you're happy with that. You're sure you do it well? Yes. They went to school. And I have never had to fast one day for them to pass. And they were tops in their school. All their schools. They were tops. Right to the university. They were the best in their school. Because I didn't have to choose a course for them. They chose what they were good at. They chose what they were good at. In fact, their school even had to reach out to us. To tell us how the children are doing exceptionally well in that school. Because I didn't have to teleguide them. We allowed them to choose what they would be good at. And they didn't have to struggle. But some parents will force their children to read what they, what the children don't want to read. They struggle throughout school. They graduate and dump the certificate with the father. And go and do something that they never went to school for. Most children are practicing what they didn't read in school. You know why? Because their parents were compelling them and teleguiding them. And that is not right. That is not right. The only thing I tell my children is that they will have to preach the word of God. I tell them that one. You preach the gospel. You will preach. You will teach the word. I tell them that one. And they are happy to hear that. There are many children who studied what their parents told them to study. Not what they wanted to study. So the African culture has that investment strategy. So you disappoint those parents when your GP is not progressing. <laughs> you, they become angry, they become mad, they develop high blood pressure. Why? Because you are like an investment that is about to fail. But that is a strange culture in the Bible. That's not Bible culture. In the Bible, it is not so taught. Let's see what the Bible teaches. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 14. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12 verse 14. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents. But the parents for the children. The parents are supposed to lay up for the children. That is Bible culture. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't give something to your parents. I'm not saying you shouldn't treat your parents with honor and respect. You'll be stupid to think I said that. But look at what the Bible is teaching here. 2 Corinthians 12, 14. Give me the amplified version. Amplified version. 2 Corinthians 12, 14. 
Now, for the third time, I am ready to come to visit you. And I will not burden you financially. For it is not your money that I want, but you. For children are not duty bound to lay up stuff for their parents. But parents are duty bound to lay up store for their children. Look at Proverbs 13, 22. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22. A good man leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children. And the wealth of the sinner finds his way eventually into the hands of the righteous for whom it was laid up. So it's a parental duty to perpetuate the legacy of blessing. It is the, parent, the parent's duty to perpetuate the legacy of blessing. You are not to expect blessing from your children. You are to leave inheritance for them. That's Bible culture. Of course, children should take care of parents. No doubt, when they are in need, Ephesians taught us that. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 2 and 3. But a parent must be responsible for the upkeep. Beyond the upkeep, a parent must live an inheritance, wealth, properties, investments for the children. That's critical. That's Bible culture. I have three girls and I am duty bound at old age. When I'm exiting this world to live a legacy of blessing for them. Don't expect your children to feed you. Transfer blessing. Transfer wealth. Transfer properties and investments to your children. From when they were children, I began to invest into their lives. Invested into their studies. Invested into their career. Invested into what they want to do in life. And I'm not expecting them to, to you know, to, to, to give me anything. I'm not expecting them to get a job and feed me. The food I will eat till the trumpet sound is already on ground. It's not a prayer point. Abraham transferred the blessing to Isaac. Are we following? Abraham transferred the blessing to Isaac. Isaac was more blessed. Then he transferred it to Jacob. That's Bible. That's Christian parenting. Abraham did not feed from Isaac. Abraham did not feed from Jacob. Jacob did not feed from Isaac. Isaac fed from Abraham, took inheritance from Abraham, transferred it to Jacob. Jacob took it from him, transferred it to his 12 tribes. That must have been some wealth. Enough wealth to give to 12 tribes. That's Bible culture. Parents perpetuate blessing. I have heard of people talking about how children take over their parents' ministry. You know, this is for pastors. And then people get angry. How can a man of God transfer his ministry to his children? But that's very ideal. That's Bible culture. You should be happy that your pastor's children are in ministry. They are learning and growing to become the legacy of their father's ministry. It should be a joy to you because that's Bible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's Bible. Are we teaching here? That's Bible. It's very ideal that the children are growing in knowledge. The children are involved in ministry. 
Who else to perpetuate the blessing of that ministry other than the, the, the direct children of the, of, of the pastor of that ministry? Kenneth Hagin's family. Kenneth Hagin's family. You know, the son is in ministry to the third generation. All of them are in ministry. Hagin is gone. He left it for Pastor Hagin. Pastor Hagin is going to leave it for Craig. Another son of them that is in ministry. That's a blessing. You go to Rema today. You will see the footprints of the father's ministry still actively. What about E.W. Kenyon? E.W. Kenyon had nobody to leave ministry for. He left it for his only daughter. The ministry of Kenyon today is all over the world by the hand of his only daughter. His only daughter has pushed that ministry to where all of us today are beneficiaries of that ministry. What about Ora Roberts? Richard Roberts. That's Bible. That's Bible. Are we in the building? Hello. The only reason why a man of God should not hand over his ministry to his children is if they are not involved in ministry and not committed and are not growing in knowledge. A good man leaveth an inheritance for his children. Well, if it's for power city, it's even, don't even think about who will take over power city from me. I am still here. <laughs> ah, it's a long one. It's going to be a long time. It's too early to think about such things. I'm just warming up. This boy has just started. So don't even think about that. I'm, I'm just teaching you Bible. Are we together here? I'm just teaching you Bible. I'm just teaching you Bible. I'm not preparing you for somebody to take over. Me, I'm here. I'm going nowhere. We have the Blue Marble Planet to raise disciples all over. Somebody shout, I hear you. I said, somebody shout, I hear you. So I'm just teaching Bible. So the African culture of investment is not biblical. In the Bible, you are not just to take care of your children, but be responsible for transferring blessing to them. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 5 verse number 8. 2 Timothy chapter 5 verse 8. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Give me first Timothy 5 8 then. But if any provide not for his own and specially for those of his own house, he had denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Take care of your children, send them to the best schools, get them the best of education within your resources. My parents literally starved themselves to send me to school. And they sent me to the best of school. They did. They starved. The best of training. The best, you know, of care and love. Parents, go and walk. Go and walk. Provide for your children. Give your children the best. Give the best. Don't beg about to school your children. It's an insult and an embarrassment. Where every term, your children are driven to go home. They drive them home. Then you now carry them from uncle to uncle. Begging for school fees to send them to school. Those children will grow up with a resentment of an irresponsible father. Who had to be begging about to send them to school. It's the pride of a father to send his children to school and proudly pay their school fees. If you can't afford a particular school... Look for the one you can afford without fasting and prayer. My children never went to school that I had to fast. In fact, the schools my children went to, I didn't know when their fees were paid. Because the fees were not, were not of any, any consequence where I was concerned in my income. 
I didn't know when they paid their school throughout their school time. Because I had the resources, I sent them to schools that I could afford. The schools I could afford. So as much as you want to send them to the best schools, don't, don't, don't send them to schools where you are begging all over and embarrassing them. Teaching good here. Give the best to your children. Work hard. Work smart. Work creative. Make money. Parents, bring up your children. Don't compare them with anybody. Avoid competition. There are parents that like to compare their children. And the first one is, is, is very smart. This last, last one is very dull. They don't do that as a parent. I have three children and all of them are different. They are all unique. They are all different. None of them is like the other. Each one of them has a mind of their own. So you can imagine in my house, you have three different minds. So when you want to get them to do something, it has to be a family meeting with a lot of persuasion, conviction. <laughs> because we have to bring everybody's mind to synchronize. And these are independent minds. But as a, as a father that they trust, because I have brought them up, they have seen me, brought them up, I've never disappointed them. When I insist that this is what is good for the family, everybody aligns. Your children are unique. They are not all the same. Except you as a father is dull not to discover the strengths that each of them have. Each of them have strength in different areas. They don't all have strength in the same area. It's your job as a father to locate the areas of their strength and promote it. And at the end of the day, you have giants all over your house. Except you fail to identify what each of them is good at. Colossians chapter 3 verse 21. Look at the amplified. Colossians 3 21 amplified <clears throat> teaching good fathers do not provoke or irritate or fret your children do not be hard on them or harass them lest they become discouraged and sullen and morose and feel inferior and frustrated do not break their spirit do not break their spirit words break people's spirit words don't say words that break them sometimes children can be funny parents must stay in faith can a heck can a copeland was into all kinds of drugs he was a wayward child his mother kept praying and saying you will be a preacher you will be a preacher we love you you will be a preacher while he was on drugs and he was wayward. His, his mother kept speaking the word of God upon him. Stood in faith. Kept loving him. And speaking the word of God. Today is one of the global voices. Where the gospel is concerned. Kenneth Hagin had a child that ran away and left home. They kept speaking God's word. They kept saying Satan you cannot have authority over our child. Our child will do the will of God. And today that child is one of the generation pastors in the Hagin family. Parents, we stay in faith. We speak words of faith. We speak words of faith. We don't give up on our children. No matter what happens, we stay in faith. And we take authority. And we love on them. And we keep speaking. We keep calling the things that be not as though they were. Until they turn out to be what we want them to be. How does God raise us? He raises us up by faith. He keeps blessing us. Speak creative. Speak affirming words to your children. Fathers, speak words that glorify God over your children. Radiate an atmosphere of love and warmth in your home. 
Don't be a terrorist father where you're coming home, everybody's taking off. Because from outside, who kept this here? Who did that? Why, why did you turn that chair? Who took that table? Hey, 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 hey. From outside. So the children take off. A father that is like that cannot have a good relationship with his children. Say with me, everybody, I am what the word says I am. I have the nature of God in me. So as a father, bring up your children by grace. Bring up your children by faith. Bring up your children by love. Grace, faith, and love. I am parenting as I learn from my heavenly father in his world. Think about training them now. And planning for their future. By your investments. Think about training your children now and planning for their future by way of investments. Very important. Irrespective of what they read or did not read in school, allow them to explore their potentials. Observe Abraham and Isaac. They didn't have the same profession. But they had the same blessing. <laughs> they didn't have the same profession. But they had the same blessing. There is this thing people talk about your parents not being Christians. And then they talk about generational causes. They quote scriptures out of context. Alright? In Exodus chapter 20, you know, some ministries have built empires on the, this thing called generational causes. But we are a ministry that honors the integrity of God's word. And we do not abuse scriptures in this ministry. We do not glorify tradition. Look at Exodus 25 as I round up this side. Are you blessed tonight? Exodus 20 verse 5. Mm -mm. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. The next statement here throws people all of balance. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers on the children Unto the third and fourth generation of them that, that, hate, that hate God. So people believe that if your dad or granddad or great granddad were idol worshippers, the causes and the repercussion of their action will affect the children. It's a careless reading of the Bible. Look at the next verse, verse 6 of that same Exodus 20, verse 6. And showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me. And keep my commandments. What happens here is that. The scriptures were read out of context. See. We already read that Timothy's father was not a Christian. And yet Timothy was a great man of God. Hmm. You see that? So. Is there anything called a generational cause? Yes. There is for the man that is not born again. Because the man that is not born again is under a curse. Okay? But can the sins of a dad be transferred to a child? Yes, but listen to explanation. In context, what it means is that the father, it does not mean that the father will do something and the punishment will be on the child. This statement has certain explanation in scripture. What he's talking about is that if the father or parents were idol worshippers and they raised their children to worship idol and hate God, that is a generational cause. 
but not that the parents were idol worshippers and the children are born again and then the, the cause will come on the children. No, there's no such thing. It only functions in the domain of rebellion against the gospel. Rebellion against the gospel. Which means that when people sin, it does not automatically come upon their children. Because observe Dr. Gabriel, if it was automatic, the children of these people in Exodus 20 will have been the first partakers of the cause. But the, the fathers died in the wilderness, the children entered the promised land and there was no cause on them. Why? Because the children were taught by Joshua to walk in the way of the Lord. And by that, by that teaching, that, that generational hold was broken and the children were liberated. So it's not automatic. It's only for people who resist and rebel against the gospel. Are we together here? It's for people who resist and rebel against the gospel. But Ezekiel explained it in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1, 2, and 3. Put it up for me as I close. Ezekiel 18, 1, 2, and 3. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came unto me again saying, What mean ye that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Next verse. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. And if you read down, it says, The sin that the soul that sinned, eat that soul shall die. Are we in the building here? So there's no such thing. In case you think maybe your father has cost you, or maybe you're under a cause, a generational cause, or maybe your family cause has been transferred to you as a child. That's why you will not do well. But remember, once you're born of God, you overcome the world. Once you're born of God, you're a new creation. Once you're born of God, you're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenlies in Christ Jesus. Once you're born of God, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar person. You are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you're born of God, you stand in the place and in the authority of Jesus. And you function with the blessing of God. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. So parents, we have a responsibility to raise up our children in the admonition of the Lord. It means to transfer our conviction and our faith on our children via teaching explanation and by our exemplary lifestyle. Get on your feet. That's all I've got for you tonight. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. What a service tonight, man. Father, we pray for everybody under the sound of my voice, on radio, on television, social media, all our campuses all over the world, that these realities will resonate in the hearts of your people and that these truths will sink in our hearts and that we will have godly parents all over, all over the world, all over Power City. Parents that will raise children that will glorify Jesus. And we thank you. Any child hearing the sound of my voice whose spirit has been broken, I command your spirit to be healed. I command your spirit to be healed. I declare that anyone hearing the sound of my voice who has been given harsh words, who has been abused, abused by anyone, I command the healing power of God to meet you right where you are. And I declare restoration upon you in the name of Jesus. Satan, get your hands off. And we declare the blessing over everyone here in the sound of my voice tonight. And we thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. And we bless tonight or what? Glory. 
I'm joining Mr. Michael Bush in the next one or two minutes, but I want to take up your offerings quickly as we honor Christ tonight. Remember, we are still examining the new creation and its relationships. All right, so tomorrow we continue. There's a lot more. We're going to look at quite a number of things. Tomorrow is going to be exciting. Tomorrow we're going to look at, you know, the employer, the employee, relationships with your boss, your place of work as a believer. It's going to be an exciting study. And, you know, through that teaching, you will know how you can be blessed, how you can grow in your job, how you can grow in your office, how you can be promoted, and how you can just position yourself and be the best at work. So tomorrow is going to be nice. You don't want to miss that teaching. 6 p.m. GMT plus one tomorrow evening. All right, online there are banking details. On television there are banking details. Radio audience, Mr. Michael Bush will read the bank accounts before we go with Ask the Counselor tonight. Everybody else, lift up your offerings as a sign of worship. Let's just honor Jesus as we give in faith. Father, we give with joy and we thank you that our offerings are a sweet smell before you today. And we rejoice for the things we are learning and the privilege to know the things we are knowing in Christ Jesus. And we decree that as we give, the blessing is upon your people. Your, their needs are met supernaturally thank you for the blessing over this service in jesus precious name and every believer says a powerful amen praise god once again thank you for giving me the opportunity all the time to teach you the word of god get more people to hook up tomorrow it's going to be exciting but you don't want to go away radio tv social media i'm joining mr michael bush right now for ask the counselor so we can address your questions respond to your phone calls and have some more time of bringing clarity from the word of god and until I see you in the other studio, don't go away. Enjoy the rest of the minutes and be blessed. Let's celebrate viewers around the world for being a part of this service tonight. Glory! Amen! Woo! Glory to God forever! By this message. For these, all the messages and books by Dr. Abel Damina, please call plus 234-806-800-9939 or email Power City Office at gmail.com. Power City International presents Relationships Define Success and Failure in a Man's Life. Theme Wisdom for Living, The New Creature, and His Relationships. Ministering Dr. Abel Daminer. Date 2nd May, 5th May, 9th May to 31st May 2021. Time, Mondays to Fridays, 6 p.m. GMT plus 1 and Sundays, 8 a.m. GMT plus 1 and 11 a.m. GMT plus 1 services. This program will be live on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and on Kingdom Live Network TV. Host, Doctors Abel and Rachel Daminer. Join the study. Jakotanaga Brenda Gozokule Nemeha Jajokotonikeli Namaha Angra Nonzokula Namaha Dedrene Gegele Nemosa Say of the Spirit of God, there has never been a scarcity of my power. All the power that you will ever need, I made available to you at the point of your birth. You were born with all of my power. You were not born deficient. You were born complete. Everything that constitutes me was packaged together to give birth to you, saith God.
but you will have to place a demand on the resources that are available to you by regeneration and you place that demand intentionally so you make that power available in the natural so you see saith god when you do not give yourself intentionally to take off and take from my power then you live the life of defeat you live a life that is full of apologies you live a life that attracts sympathy and sorrow then you live under undue pressures saith god i never designed for you to live a life of pressure i designed for you to live a life of rest but you cannot function in rest from the natural you only function in rest from the spiritual from the spiritual from the spiritual that's why in my word i said to be spiritually minded is life and peace to be spiritually minded when your mind is full of the spiritual possibilities that are available to you you function from a place of rest and no devil in hell has what it takes to discomfort your position On a Tuesday night, 7 o'clock is some 25.5 small minutes old, and I'm super excited to welcome you to Ask the Counselor. It's a program made popular by Power City International, and this is coming to you from their global headquarters right here in Uyo. That is um, Uyo. The place in Uyo is 98 Wangiba Road, and that is in the heart of Uyo. Uyo is the capital of Akwaibum. Akwaibum is a state in the south, southern part of Nigeria country on the west coast of Africa. Of course, you shouldn't know where Africa is. Okay, so the normal opening of the program, bank details, especially for the radio audience, account number is Power City International. It's the same name, um, the account name. is the same account name for all three banks. The first bank on this edition of the program would be UBA. 139-26465, 139-26465, Power City International, the same for FCMB, 2982-68-2028, 2982-68-2028, and that is for FCMB, the same account name, Power City International, it's also the same for Zenith, 10-12-36-59-12, that's announcement number one. Quickly, quickly, announcement number two, calls. I believe that in the next 10 minutes, we should be 
able to throw open the phone line so that you can join us live from wherever you are in the world. The, the number for you to call is plus two three four if you are calling from outside the country. Otherwise, it's simply 0806-800-9939. You also can send us an email or two. Wire that to ask the counselor now at gmail.com or better still an SMS or two to plus two three four. Again, if you are doing it from outside the country, otherwise it's to 703 Announcement number three. For sponsorship, you can just call up again from outside the country, plus 234, otherwise 0803 275 6104. And email Dr. Abel Damina at Yahoo.com. Dr. There, of course, is um, DR. Okay, so, <clears throat> excuse me, my producer is Pastor IJ Query. He works with, <clears throat> excuse me, my producer is blessed to work with the crop of young persons that he has. Um, I'm sure, I think that was when we were rounding off 60 days of glory. You know, it was initially built to be 30 days of glory. But when we were rounding it off, we, we got you to see some of those um, very hardworking youngsters behind the cameras, those who try to help us, those who do all sorts of things. You don't get to see them. You know, you don't even get to see a producer. You just see Global Baba and me. But, you know, they work really, really hard. And I'd like you, wherever you are, to give it up for a star-studded technical team. Okay. Enough of that. The, okay, did I mention my own name? Okay. Michael Bush. Okay. But that's not important. What is important now is that the set man is here. This man is uh, a teacher like none other. This man is an author like none other. This man is a telly and read evangelist like none other. Happy welcome, Global Baba, Dr. Abel Damina. Intercontinental, Mr. Bush, so good to see you. Global Baba. My goodness. <laughs> How has been your day, man? Global Baba, fantastic. You look good. You look better, Global wow. Baba. Wow. Global Baba, just look at you. You're, you're made in London. You you're know. turning back you know. on me. <laughs> <laughs> Global Baba, okay, because of time and lack of it, we'll just get um, to pray. And then we get on the way now. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice that by faith we have answers right now to our prayers. We receive men born again, brought into the kingdom, and we declare that the gospel thrives. The word of God's grace is occupying the land. Men and women are turning to the knowledge of the truth. Veils are falling off the eyes of men's eyes. The word of the Lord is being glorified and magnified among the people as it is with us. And we pray for Aquaibom State. We decree that the gospel thrives the more in this land. The blessing of God is upon this land. We pray for Nigeria. That the purpose of God continues to, to expand all over this nation. Men are coming to the truth like never before. We pray for the rest of the world. That preachers of the gospel are raised all over into every man's world. To preach and proclaim the truth of Christ. And we rejoice for answered prayer. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 So it's coming very close to half past the hour in Uyo, Nigeria. And now, ask the counselor starts formally. My name is Deborah. I had a child with an unbeliever some years ago, but we had to separate after a few years of staying together because of too much drama. The father of my son has been attacking me physically and spiritually. The last time he brought a gift for my child about six years ago. My little boy fainted immediately. He left and woke up the following day. My son will be 10 years old, Global Baba, on the 3rd of September this year. Since we separated, my son and I have never asked him for any material thing because he said we could not survive without him, but God has been faithful. 
He called a few days ago that he would show me. He would take my son and I would never set my eyes on him again. He's even planning to get me arrested. The police officer called me just now to report at the Human Rights Office, Nobubaba. Keep me in prayers, please, and advise me. You've been a blessing to us. Remain blessed, Nobubaba. My son and I are looking to come to you to meet with you. Deborah. Deborah, well, bless you. First of all, that's what you should have done ahead of time. You should have reported your husband for his irresponsibility to social welfare. You should have done that ahead of time. You shouldn't wait for him to go and report you. Sometimes women are trying to be nice, and in trying to be nice, you hurt yourself. Once a husband is being irresponsible and he has decided to walk away from you and your child, you need to report to the right authorities so you're protected. So, you know, go, you have the backing of the government so that tomorrow your husband will not report you for stealing a child or something. You need to do it right. It's so important. So what you do, Deborah, quickly is get to the social welfare, report the whole incident, give them the entire story and everything. And if you have evidence of his calling you, to threaten you, if you recorded any of those evidences, you, you tender all of that to the social welfare or to the relevant government bodies so that you have protection for yourself and your child even before anything comes up. So by the time the police people are calling you, you refer them to the social welfare to go and get explanation from the government authorities as to how irresponsible your husband has been over time. That's very important. You've got to be proactive. However, we keep you in our prayers. And we'll pray for you too, Deborah, at the end of the program. Yes. You know, just before we sign off. Okay, yes. so Global Baba bless you. Bless your family and the entire body of Christ in Power City International and all over the globe. Global Baba, my name is blah, 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 gives his full name, but I would like to remain anonymous. I sincerely thank God that coming to you has not been in vain. In fact, I'm persuaded more than ever in doctrine, in word, and in all good works compared to previous times. I thank God more for you. You have been such a great blessing, Global Baba. I'm in a place of greater light, without fear or shame or regret by your teachings. I first heard about you in 2014, right? Before my admission into the University of Rio in 2015. My arrival at the doorposts of Power City International Headquarters for the first time was like a dream come true. I was more thrilled than I was fired. Followed your teachings for some time, but for critical health challenges, Global Baba and other pressures, then I slacked. I became like Kachpos. My slacking brought about unfaithfulness and lack of commitment, being tossed about by every wind of doctrine. Me, plus my background, being the son of a senior pastor with extinct office in Assemblies of God Church, my stand was greatly weakened. At some point, I was threatened with being disowned if I didn't stop with the heretics and falsehood. Beyond that, I was unfortunate to be under the counsel of a brother likened to Demas in the ministry. He gave me wrong advice. Thank God I now know better. Glory. Not until last year, Global Baba, during the lockdown, that I kept on following faithfully your teachings, had clarity and boldness to finally approach your, my situations. Right now, I'm as Apostle Paul will say, a slave to this gospel of Jesus Christ, becoming more of Christ as I behold him, taught and nourished under you. This year alone, Global Baba has been awesome. The third series, the healing ministry of Jesus, wisdom of God for living, has been something else. As you said, faithfulness is not what one used to do, but what one is doing. I want to be rooted and grounded in this serious-minded uh, business that Christ handed over to us. I've started with foundation class, discipleship, re-identified with the house center close to my house. I've got some of the materials and books that I'm carefully studying, still going to get more. I'm also making plans to move back towards Bible school and homecoming, even if I'm in NYSC camp by then. 
Don't worry, but I have a challenge, though, that I want to agree. I want you to agree in faith with me. I'll be 23 in June this year, and I have sickle-shaped cells. The healing ministry of Jesus series opened my eyes. My belief is that the doctors are simply wrong. I know that you agreeing with me is final and proof that I have been right all along. My insights and everything about me will be rearranged and back to perfect as they ought to be. I also want to go over to pray for my parents, my father in particular, who is catching up a little but seems to be overshadowed by fear and wrong doctrine. I want him to come fully into light and this revelation, knowledge, and truth. I pray that the Lord continue taking you deeper, making known his mysteries more to you. Grace be multiplied unto you. Amen. Thank you, sir. This is that this comes from a man who wrote his full name but prefers to be anonymous. Wow, wow, wonderful. We'll pray for you and pray for your father at the end of the broadcast for your healing and for your father to come to the knowledge of the truth. So nice to have re read from you. Okay, so Global did not protect me on that one. So I'm going to leave what I was just going to be doing beside to go and take this one. Hello, Global, I'm Soliso. I reside in South Africa. It's not long I've been listening to your preachings and it's about less than five days that I'm touched that your teaching is quite clear. My question is, Lobobaba, Jesus Christ said to his disciples, you must always remember me by eating bread and wine. May you please give me clarity on that. The other thing is I always hear, pray for people and always see miracles. People get healed in the process from being mute and ears open immediately or any such illness. May you please explain to me what's happening with me. Thank you, Soliso, in South Africa. Well, Soliso, nice to read from you. Uh, first of all, on, the, on what, what you call the Holy Communion, which is what Jesus told the disciples to eat in remembrance of him. Remember, he said that before he died. You don't remember a man that is alive. Jesus is no more in the grave. He has risen from the dead. All right? And the word remembrance in that context does not mean memorial. It actually means understanding, with the understanding of me. However, I have a book titled The Communion Table. I recommend you order for the book. Sit down carefully. Read through it. It will equip you a lot. And then on the other question he asked, I've just forgotten what he asked. The one about his seeing miracles. Oh, seeing miracles. Well, you know, God wants to perform miracles. God wants to heal people because God loves people. And if you find out that when you pray for people, God heals them, go ahead and pray for more people. But beyond that, you, 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 you must make sure you teach the word, you preach the word along with healing. Jesus went about preaching and teaching and healing because at the end of the day, healing is temporal it is salvation that is eternal. You must not forget that. Bless you. Okay, Global Baba, we continue. By the way, we continue. This is just the continuation of uh, Freestyle Edition, so we're just moving. I hope I protected you. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, you did. Okay. So Global Baba wants you to know that he protected me. Yes, I did. Okay, so phone calls. We can start now to take phone calls. Global thank you. Say hello, Daddy. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thanks for all you do for the body of Christ. More like Daddy. Daddy, please. You mentioned sitting in the place where the audience sat and going into the mind of the author to understand what he thought. Please, Daddy, I want to know more concerning this. Anonymous. Well, that is in Bible interpretation or Bible teaching. You must sit where the audience sat. You must hear what they heard to be able to interpret what they heard. What it simply means is that when we teach the Old Testament, to be able to teach exactly what the Old Testament seeks to communicate, we must go back and sit down in that audience and listen to what was taught them with the understanding that they had to be able to interpret what they had in today's understanding. That's what it means. And that's what Bible teaching consists of. That's all I was explaining. 
Okay, hello Global Baba, Daddy, please, based on decision making, maybe in career or course of study, do we just agree with our parents just because we're still under their roof, especially when it is not what we have passion for or when they say they know us because they gave birth to us? Well, some, that's, that's quite a tricky situation. Mm. You know, it depends. If your parents are really tyrannical, they are not friendly at all, you may just have to do what they want you to do until you're out of their control. Then you decide what you want to do with your life. But if they are a bit flexible, you may want to prayerfully see how you can come to a place of understanding with them, explaining to them why you want to read what you want to read. So it depends on what kind of parents you have. Okay, so Global, that, that's uh, sender has the second question. I'm just going to pause briefly and take this first caller. Hello. Yes, hello. Many thanks for joining us. Your name, where are you calling from? Hello, my name is Ben. My name is Benjamin. I'm calling from Wari. Benji, go ahead. Uh, good evening, Mr. Michael Bush. Very nice to have thank you, Benji. You for the good thank you for the good work you are doing in supporting Papa. Thank you, Benji. <laughs> Dr. Eva Damina. Yes. Thank yes. you so much. Good evening, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. You spoke to us yesterday, right? Sir, Sir, my question is this. I want to ask about John the Baptist. Okay. I was doing a study today. Uh, I don't want to bother you with all the scriptures. But, but the issue, I read and I saw that John the Baptist, he was the prophet that Jesus called, was a creator of the prophet. Yes. But it was here that John the Baptist was not saved. Because Jesus said, Jesus said that he was the greatest of the prophets, but of the kingdom he was the least. Yes. The least, or rather, the least was greater than him. In the yes, the least in the kingdom. So that my my question is this at the time that Jesus sent his disciples back to him, it was clear that he did not receive the correction. And he died, his head was taken off before Jesus died and resurrected. So my question is, was this safe? I know it's a little bit, uh, question is academic, kind of. But I'm, I'm asking this question because we, we, particularly us in the church, we like titles, we like names, we like positions. Yeah, I understand. But we don't look at the substance of our salvation and we don't walk by it. That's right. Even though it was the greatest of the prophets, he ended up in believing what he told the people of Israel that this was the Lamb of God. He didn't believe it because he said he was going to decrease. He didn't decrease. Very so true. that is the question. That I don't want to take much time. I have many more, but I'll take them one after the other. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Benjamin, for calling. Well, uh, again, Jesus called John the Baptist the least of all the prophets. I mean, the greatest of all the prophets. But the least in the kingdom is greater than John. Why did Jesus say that? First of all, the Old Testament prophets, all of them kept prophesying, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith the Lord, Thus saith the Lord. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. What they were prophesying, John the Baptist saw. But today, we not only see Jesus, he lives in us. So because he lives in us, we are greater than John who only saw. That's what Jesus was saying, that there's a progression in Revelation. The progression is that the Old Testament prophets spoke about it. John saw it. For the believer in Christ, he lives in us. That's what makes you greater 
than John the Baptist, who is greater than all the prophets. Now, is John the Baptist saved? Yes, he believed in Jesus as a savior. He believed the fact that he doubted because he was under, under persecution and Jesus didn't come to help him was just an offense. It doesn't mean he didn't believe in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist is in heaven today. So the point is this. A man of God is not great because he performs miracles. A man of God is not great because he has a big ministry. The greatness of every preacher is measured by his level of revelation of Jesus. How much of Jesus you reveal, how much of Jesus you know, is how we measure the weight of a minister in the scriptures. Hope that helps. Fantastically so. So Global Boy will go back to that last entry and round off with his uh, second question. Global Baba, why, what should we do when we have come to the true knowledge of Christ, but our parents still practice law and grace, which really affects me when all manner of prayer points are mentioned during morning devotion? And when it's time for exhortation, they always expect you, Global Baba, to give a motivational message. And trying to explain the true knowledge of Christ to them is almost impossible. Well, again, you have to be a bit tactful and wise and prayerful. If you're with parents who are in the law, you gradually reveal Christ to them. Very gradually and go easy. Pray about it and then continue explaining to the best of your ability. And give it in piecemeals, gradually and prayerfully. And as you pray and stay in faith, you know, God will send harvesters to bring your parents to the knowledge of Christ. But you've got to be patient and wise in how you talk to them and how you respond when they come up with those prayer points and all of that. Global about the freestyle edition of Ask the Council, a Power City International program takes us next to Lagos, Nigeria. Hello, Global Baba and Mr. Intercontinental Michael Bush. I'm grateful, Global Baba, for the teachings and trainings you give us, sir. I'm definitely not the same again. I asked the question that I'm going to do on behalf of a brother who desires to know more. This question is from Exodus 32, 14, King James Version. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. Does God repent, Global Baba? Does he get angry that he took Moses' intervention to turn away his wrath against the children of Israel? I already explained to him that the perfect explanation of the character of God is only seen in the person of Jesus Christ and not Moses, who was a natural man. Yeah. That God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Yeah. That every good and perfect gift is from above, from the Father of light, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Also, that Jesus on earth was the only begotten Son of God, then corrected Moses because of all those errors in what he said. Therefore, we as sons of God today can correct Moses in the light of Christ. That anger is of the flesh, and God is the spirit. So, Moses cannot be right in telling us that God repented from his evil thought against Israel. I also referred him to the series, The Misunderstood God. Please, sir. What more can I give to him in this regard? Thank you, sir. Kesiena Efere is in PCI Oba campus in Lagos, Nigeria. Global, we'll just come back there. This caller. Hello. Hello. Many thanks, ma'am, for joining us. Your name, where are you calling from? Good evening. Yes, ma'am. Welcome to the program. Yes. Yeah. My name is Favor. Good evening, Papa. Evening. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you so much. Thank you. God bless you. Many thanks, ma'am. Amen. Um, I, I just want to, you know, some things have been on my mind. I started listening to Papa's messages. And I 
That's the right way, brother. Sure. Keep reading like that. That's even, the way to read. Even it. when they caught your call, still keep just reading keep. Like that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Global, but we'll just get back now from Lagos, Nigeria. We're going to Abuja. It's still a freestyle edition. I'm hoping that I can still touch other parts of the continent. There's that brother the in Lagos who asks what more to do for yes. the person he has okay, explained. Yes, sure. So this is what you do more. 
let him know that when the Bible says God repented most times, it is the people who made the decision, who changed their decision, and the repercussion of that decision didn't happen to them. So when the repercussion of the decision didn't happen to them because they changed the decision, the writers concluded that God repented. That's the second explanation, you know, to the Old Testament when you read scriptures like God repented. But all of this is covered in the misunderstood God. And that's the best thing you've done for that person. Okay, I've got a testimony in my hands. comes from Abuja, Nigeria. Then I have another one from the UK. That's um, in the continent of Europe. I try and see if I can squeeze that in and then take other things if the time allows. Global Baba, God has done it again. Sometime in the near past, I told you of my brother who lives in the U.S. and was diagnosed of a congestive heart disease, and you prayed. Global Baba, it happened that he needed a heart, liver, and kidney transplant. To cut the story short, he has undergone the surgery, and the next day the tube was removed, and he breathes um, right now normal. Even the doctors are amazed at the rate of recovery he has shown. He's already taking walks around the hospital and he's calling me daily. I'm the one telling him to rest that we can always talk later. So I'm sure this is God's doing. I'd like to thank you for teaching me the word because it's built confidence in me. Glory, Ifai, in Abuja, Nigeria. Wow, Ifai, we rejoice with you and we agree together that that healing is permanent. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. To the UK next, says hello, Global Baba. My name is Esther. I'm in the UK. I've been listening to your teachings more often and all the time. I am blessed. I listen to your teachings on miracles and healing. You mentioned those who are waiting for your papers, receive them now. I was one of them, Global Baba. A week after I did, I, a week after, I did receive my status. I'm so grateful and glory to God. Thank you, Global Baba, for your prayers. God bless you abundantly. I like the words to say more. Esther in the UK. Wow, Esther, congratulations. We rejoice with you. A caller next. Helen. Are you there? Yeah, many thanks for joining us. Your name, where are you calling from? Okay, let's, let's just continue. Hello. I'm edified greatly so far by your sound teachings of the message of Christ, Global Baba. But I have a question. After rapture, what happens next? What about the place written that one will be taken and another left? Is there a difference between rapture and the second coming that's uh, appearance? What about the 144,000 Global Baba? Are they to operate after? If there is a series on this that you've done, I would appreciate receiving. Thank you. Wow, you've just mixed the scriptures anyway. The one of one taking one left is the parable of Jesus. And the one that is left is the believer. The one that is taken is the unbeliever, just like it was in the days of Noah. Then the one of one for the 4,000 is talking about Jewish people that will believe the gospel. You know, uh, a, number that, a number that was given by John the Beloved in that vision. However, all of this I explain much more in my book, The Last Days. I have a book titled The Last Days. You can order for it from our office. Bless you. Okay, Global Baba, I'm going now to... Okay, my name is... Okay, I'm going to Zambia. First, though, this caller, last on this edition of the program. Hello. Are you there? Okay. Many Hello, good evening. Yes, ma'am. Many thanks for joining us. Anywhere where you're calling from? My name is Uwa. I'm calling from Benin. Go ahead, Uwa. Um, I want to, first of all, I want to say hi to Dr. Abel. Hi, bless uh, you. I want to appreciate God for his life. 
I've been following with people for a few years now. Wow. Bless you. Bless you. My question is, I want you to throw light on Christ's name between Jesus and Rachel. Because in Matthew 25, the Lord said that there are those that will call his name, but he will reject them because they never knew him. They use his name for different miracles, but he never knew him. And then I know that in Psalm 1916, he promised long life to those that he will show his salvation. And I know that Christ's name is Hebrew, is Yeshua. And then, you know, everyone is calling him Jesus. I don't know, I just want him to throw light on me. I don't understand. Is it that Christ's name is Jesus or Christ's name is Yeshua? Which are we supposed to follow? Well, I That's think, my question. Yeah, I think you're confused because you're listening to all kinds of teachings. So my advice is you need to calm down. The name of Jesus is not the label Yeshua or Jesus. It's his office. The office. The book of Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, 6, 7, 8 says, Wherefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name, an office. That office is the name of Jesus. You are called by that name. You are in that name as a believer. That name is your name. That office is your office. The office that was given to him at his resurrection. However, whether you call him Jesus or Yeshua, once you know that office and you are in that office, that is really where the substance is. In the office, not in the label. Okay. Because of time and lack of it, we'll just try and see what we can squeeze in. Um, my name is Bernard uh, Chafula, right from Zambia. Global Bible, I've been following your teachings and my life is no longer the same. My question is, how can one minister the Holy Spirit after preaching the word and how can I know that they believed the message? Well, you know that they believe the message because you preach it by faith. And how do you minister the Holy Ghost? Order for my teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, part one to six. It will show you how to minister the Holy Spirit to people when you preach the gospel. This last one now, hello Global Baba. One, I want to know if someone can go to hell by mistake. No, you go to hell by choice, by rejecting Christ. Two, I want to understand this, that God said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and how it applies to our dispensation and salvation. Does it mean others are preferred to others, please? Using Jacob and Esau's case, where the Bible says the elder shall serve the younger to buttress this. Well, Jacob's case was just a metaphor used to communicate the doctrine of election. And today that mercy is Jesus. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you his mercy. And Jesus has been given to all the world. So God's mercy has been given to all of mankind. However, man will have to make the choice to receive that mercy of God. Okay, Global Bible will return tomorrow in style. There's still so much to field, and we hope that you continue to send in your emails and your text messages and even those calls. It's about that time of the program when we take our time to pray. You know, over all the prayer requests, the 1,001 prayer requests where we have here, and the man to do that, of course, is the one and only Global Bible. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for that brother who is struggling with sickle cell. We declare that his cells are clear. Every oppression of the enemy terminated. Amen. We decree that your body is corrected. The power of God is at work in your body. You are healed from your head to the soles of your foot. Receive your healing now Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for your father that the word of the Lord will be clear to him. That he will receive boldness to stand out and stand for the gospel of Christ. We ask that laborers are sent to bring him to the kingdom. 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray for all those in need of healing. We command your body to be healed Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Where you need a miracle, receive a miracle Amen. in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Praise God. That's the size of this edition of the program. My name is Michael Bush. My producer, Pastor I.J. Query, complete with Dr. Gabriel and Goddess Man. Good morning. I thought I saw him there. All of you, they join me to thank you for listening and to bring on Global Baba to take us home. The Intercontinental, Mr. Bush, it's been a wonderful time tonight. Now, listen, you don't want to go away. We want to thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve you the grace of God. Radio audience, remember, we're live again tonight at 9 to 10, Inspiration, 10 to 12, Heritage. Tomorrow morning, 545 XLFM. Tomorrow morning, 9, I mean, 11, 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock, Radio Aquibom, 1 to 3, XLFM, and 6 p.m. GMT plus 1. We're back here tomorrow evening, wonderfully, to bring the power of God's word right to where you are. Social media, we love all of you. Thank you for joining us. Get more people to be part of the service tomorrow. And we look forward to spending more time with you in the world. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen. And amen.